I do encourage you to be here for those last two Sundays in January. Uh, they will probably be the two most important messages I will have shared at Connection Point to date. Um, it's been a couple of years of praying, just asking God, as Shelly and I returned from uh, living and working in an overseas setting, God, what are you speaking to the church today? Our church, Connection Point, but the American church, and how do you want us to live in your name? And so I want to really cover that in the last two Sundays and tackle some, some big things, so don't miss those uh, two Sundays in particular. I uh, do want to welcome all those joining us online today. I'm Pastor Zach. If you're new to the, you're new to the church, Shelly and I serve as lead pastors here. Thrilled to be at Connection Point. Uh, it's been two years now. I think last Sunday might have been the two-year mark, um, but we're thrilled to be here and, and great to see what God is doing through the lives of people in this church and in the community. You know, as we approach the end of a year, uh, 2017, it's normal to kind of look back on the year and to begin to examine or reflect upon what the year has brought or what that year has looked like. And, and as I was looking back and thinking about 2017, it really has been a great year. Uh, I was thinking about it in Connection Point. Um, I mentioned Mark and Ashley. Last January, it was basically, I feel like it was it Monday night after the prayer night did we get together? I feel like it was around that time frame. But I asked Mark and Ashley if they'd come and be youth pastors for our great youth group. That was 2017. So youth, are you happy that they're here? Oh man, that was weak. Come on now. You guys still sleeping? Youth, are you happy Mark and Ashley are here? (laughs) I've been so grateful for their leadership uh, and their friendship too, and and grateful to have Mark and Ashley a part of the church. Uh, We've seen hundreds of people go through the Live Dead Joy, the 365-day devotional, which ended today. Shelly and I were talking this morning, if you were going through that devotional, uh, what we saw Dick do is he basically like compiled all of his scriptures, like Acts 28, Revelation 22, like he threw it all together for today, uh, but wanted to end well. So it's just been neat to see people walk through that. Because it really has been an interesting thing for me to reflect upon. We're going through the book of Luke, and we're going to get into Luke chapter 9 this year, which is where Jesus starts to turn his face to Jerusalem, and he says, for all who come after me must carry your cross to follow me. And it's been interesting to really pray over that, God, what what does that look like for us in a Western setting? And and Live Dead Joy helps answer some of those questions. Uh, it's been interesting too, Shanna, too, Shanna Ivy came on board as our office manager. If you call the office, it's likely you're talking to her. She's been great in the office, so thankful to have her. Uh, Eric Putman came on board as our business and church administrator and missions pastor, so so thankful for his involvement at the church. He digs into all kinds of things. It's incredible things he finds. I'm so thankful for Eric. And uh, we had a soak in the city. Man, we sang praises. We sang Jesus' name over the city in August at Slater Hill. Uh, It was a great night together as a church body. So it's been neat to look back on 2017. And I was thinking about our family, our kids. So we transitioned them from overseas schools to here, and they've done a great job this year, had great parent-teacher conferences of ways that they have um, really embraced life here and and in the schools here. Um, But then I I started looking ahead to 2018 and and began to look at, you know, what could I do differently? What could uh, I approach from a different way to be able to see some improvement in 2018? So I used to run a lot. Uh, I ran, I've run three marathons. Um, one of those I did as a fundraiser for missions. This is probably why I don't run anymore, because it was the Disney marathon. And what you can do is you can run the half marathon on Saturday, 13 miles, run the full marathon on Sunday. So it's the Donald half marathon on uh, Saturday, the Mickey marathon on Sunday, 26 miles. And you can do them both and get the goofy prize because you've got to be goofy to do both. I really like that. And it's true. So it was 40 miles. And so my, basically my fundraiser was 40 miles for the 1040 window. Uh, that cured me from running for a long time. Um, 
But I would like to get back to running. I, I really haven't run a whole, I still run periodically, not as much as I should, so I'd like to improve in that area. But another area I really would like to see strides in is God help me do more in the area of prayer uh, and dedicated times to prayer, obviously praying throughout the day as well. Um, but I really want to improve in the area of prayer. And I really think there's value in starting the year in prayer. I think there's value in saying, God, we devote this month to prayer, January, to say, could we tithe this month, tithe the year to prayer and say, God, what could you do with the rest? And so that's what I'd like to do in January is I'd like us to focus on as a church body, 31 days of prayer. And so you're invited to be a part of that. And so the message I want to get into this morning is just answering the question, how do we pray? How do we pray? Maybe you've really never been a person who prays. Maybe you've been in the church for a long time and have uh, made praying a part of your life for a long time, but maybe it's, it's time to look at that through a fresh lens. And so what I'd like to do is encourage you to pick up a copy of Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life. We have uh, some copies of those on Main Street. The message I'm going to share today and the message I'm going to share the next three nights for our week of prayer is going to come out of that book because, honestly, I want to give you, get you interested in that book for me, it has been probably the best book on prayer that I've ever read. And I've read a number of books, um, but it's, it's very, very real, very down to earth. He answers things in prayer um, that I haven't really seen written about before. So I encourage you, pick up a copy. You can get it from the theater. You can get it online, whatever works for you. Um, but I want to encourage you to pick that up. And so the other reason I'm speaking out of that book today and some of the reflections he has on prayer is because I want to encourage you, come back the next three nights. What my hope is, is I want to preach basically out of that book for, for four different messages so that you get an immediate um, idea or content into what he's writing about. But then what I want you to do is to immerse in that book the rest of the month. If you read a chapter a day and then just begin to pray through that book, you'll immerse yourself in the next 31 days of prayer. And so I just want to encourage you to do that as we start the year. Uh, but what we're going to do this morning is get into Matthew chapter 18, so that we can look at what Jesus has to say about who we need to be to approach him in the kingdom of God. So if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. I hope you have a Bible. Hey, if you don't, you can grab a Bible from the seat that you are sitting in underneath you is a Bible there and you're welcome to take that. Uh, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Simply out of reverence for the fact that God gave his word to us. So thankful that we have his words so that we can refer to those. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So what we see here is to pray, you must become like a little child. To pray, you must become like a little child. In the book of Mark, one of the other books in the New Testament that talks about the life of Jesus, it actually gives us the context for the passage that we just read. It helps us understand what is the context of this conversation and what's happening are the disciples are, they're walking, they're walking along and they're beginning to argue with one another about who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Real nice conversation, right? So this is the disciples. So they're having this conversation. So they ask Jesus, and what does Jesus say? He says to them, whoever humbles himself like this child, so he shows him a child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting is the disciples often do behave like children. 
Now, for example, I mean, what does Peter do with whatever he wants to, you know, whatever comes to mind? He just blurts it out. Do children do that? Yes. Live with the child. You'll know that that's what they do. Uh, We were here for a a missions prayer night, and our younger two were at the house with a babysitter. And so when we got back home with our oldest, Nate, who was 10 at the time, uh, we were talking to the babysitter, and I don't know what we were talking about, but Nate asked, he said, where do you go to church? And she said, well, you know, actually, I really don't go to church. And Nate says, we need to do something about that. (laughs) Children can get away with saying those kinds of things, right? But that's how a child acts. How does a, a, a child look like? What do they do? They just speak what comes to mind. But what Jesus is saying is that's how we should approach him. Greatest in the kingdom of God is those who act like a child. So how should we approach Jesus in prayer? How should we approach God in prayer? We should speak what comes to mind, and that's okay. I can't tell you how many times I've met with somebody in my office, and I'll just say, hey, you know what? Why don't we just take time to pray about that? And somebody will say, "Ah, I'm not real good at prayer. (laughs) Are you good at talking? That's what prayer is. We, we sometimes go into prayer and we approach it like we've got to do these certain things in this certain rhythm, this certain routine, and, and that's not it. Jesus is saying here, approach me in prayer just as you are. Don't come to me with any pretense. We need to approach God as we are. But we have a problem in doing that. Because to approach him as we are is to approach him with our mess. And we have this loving Heavenly Father, and when we approach him, all of a sudden, we become a little bit vulnerable. And we think that's a bad thing. But God says, that's the point. Approach me as you are. I want to reach into your mess and watch what I can do with it. We don't come to him wearing a mask. We come to him just as we are. And so the difficulty is when we come to him, we realize we're messy and prayer makes it worse. Nothing exposes our selfishness and our spiritual powerlessness like prayer. But children, they never get frozen by their selfishness. Like the disciples, they come as they are totally self-absorbed. And as a parent, I can tell you, I really don't care how my kids approach me. I'm just glad that they approach me and want relationship with me. Well, how much more does God in heaven want relationship with everyone in this room? He wants you to approach him simply as you are. In fact, we should approach him. Jesus tells us. Here's what he tells us in Luke chapter 5. Nope, wrong scripture. Matthew chapter 11, that's the one I'm looking for. (laughs) Come to me, all who are weary and carry heaven burdens, and I will give you rest. That's a verse that says, come with your mess, come as you are, and I will give you the rest that you're looking for. That's how Jesus expects us to approach him. The criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. I mean, how many times have you entered into a prayer time and your mind begins to run a million different directions? Anybody ever have that problem? Absolutely. And why does that happen? Here's what I would say. Because we don't approach God with our mess. So all of a sudden, life sneaks in the back door and says, look, you need to deal with this so that God can deal with what's happening in your life. We need to approach him with what we're dealing with. And why is it important to come to God just as you are? Because if you don't, then you're artificial and unreal, and you're wearing that mask. The only way to come to God is by taking off any mask that you're wearing so that the real you can meet the real God. He is a person. So talk with God about your worries. Tell him where you're weary. 
Because if you don't begin where you are, then where you are is going to sneak in the back door and interrupt your prayer time. It will derail your prayer time. In bringing your real self to Jesus, you give him the opportunity to work on the real you so that you begin to slowly change. So instead of being paralyzed by who you are, begin there. God begins with where you are just in the relationship with you in terms of the gospel. And prayer is the same. Become like little grown children that Jesus surrounded himself with called the disciples. Here's what Nathaniel, one of the disciples, says to Jesus. So Nathaniel's approached and they said, come see this person. And here's what Nathaniel has to say. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And how does Jesus respond? Here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Never mind he's insulted all his friends and family in Nazareth, right? But Jesus appreciates real people. People who are authentic in the way that they interact with him. The opening words of the disciples' prayer says, Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He is our Father. You are the center of your heavenly Father's affection. That's where we find our rest for our soul. By coming to God weary, carrying heavy burdens, we discover God's heart. Heaven touches earth and his will is done. By coming like a little child to our Father, we've learned the heart of prayer. So when you pray, approach God like a child. Come to him messy. Come to him weary and then watch him work in your life. To pray, you must become like a little child. And to pray, you must learn to talk with your Father. To pray, you must learn to talk with your Father. As we approach God in prayer like a child, it would do us well to examine how it is that children approach earthly parents because Jesus says, watch these little children if you want to learn how to ask in prayer. And here's what the first thing children do. They ask like a child. So when you watch a child, they ask like a child. And what do they ask for? Everything and anything. You know, things like, I want to go to Disney World tomorrow. That's awesome. I would like to as well. You know? They don't really, they don't know what's appropriate or inappropriate to ask for. They just ask. That's what a child does. And then how do these little children ask? Repeatedly, over and over, unceasingly, they're asking. Uh, Last Christmas, you know, I mentioned last week that uh, Shelly and I had gotten Nutcracker when we got engaged. So that's something we enjoy doing. So we took the kids to Chicago last year to do the same thing for months after. And now for months leading up to Christmas, they're like, so when are we going back to Chicago? We had no plans of going back to Chicago. No matter how many times we said, we're not going to Chicago. Did they stop asking? No. Repeatedly and repeatedly. When are we going back to Chicago? They kept asking. That's just what children do. And they say what's on their minds. Hang out with a child for a while and you'll see that behavior is true. The second thing we've got to do. So we look at how a child asks. But we also need to see how a child believes. How does a child believe? Uh, My kids are supremely confident in my love for them and the ability that I have to take care for them. They just, they know that. They know that I desire good things for my kids. Most parents do. Uh, uh, They know that I'm strong and I'll take care of them. So a couple months ago, um, anybody ever have those house projects that you're like, yeah, I'll get around to that and you never do? Anybody have those? Come on, you know you do. So I had one of those. When we moved in, we didn't have a key to the garage door that went from our house to the garage. I knew I needed to change that lock. Did I take the time to change that lock? Absolutely not. Why would I do that? So I didn't take the time to do it. We never locked it, so I just felt like, you know, we're good. 
except that we've got little fingers in our house. So that got locked. And it was shut. We left, came back, turned it. Oh, it's locked. And I never, ever changed it. And of course, we have a storm door that I don't have a key to, so I can't get in the front door. And uh, the back door, that lock I don't put on the key ring for the car. So we're locked out of the house. No way in. There's a nice steel door there. So I start thinking, what are the ways in I could drill it through? Uh, you know, you start to, what, what, what are my options here? Well, I also used to do hurdles in high school. I used to run hurdles, so 110 hurdles, 300 hurdles, which, by the way, 300 hurdles, that's, that's an insane race. The kind of people that do 300 hurdle races, like a lap of hurdles, are the same kind of people that run 40 miles over a weekend for a missions fundraiser. That's what that race is. But I used to do hurdles, so I have a pretty good kick. So I just said, all right, kids, stand back, and bam, one strong kick went right through the steel door. And of course, my kids, for months, were telling the whole neighborhood, my dad kicked down the door. And kids, don't do this at your house, please, you know? And that was an expensive mistake. Cost me an afternoon of time and $80 at Menards. So don't try this at home. That's, that's, the, that's the lesson. But my kids know that I'm going to take care of them. They know they have a strong dad. But how many know we have a heavenly father far stronger than any earthly father who desires good gifts for his children far more than any earthly father could? What we see imperfectly in earthly fathers, we have a perfect heavenly father who desires good things. He is strong, he is mighty, and he is able. Why don't we approach him that way in prayer? I encourage you. We need to believe like a child. We need to ask like a child. And the last thing is we need to play like a child. That sounds kind of weird, but that's what children do. They play. I want to actually mention one thing here that I missed, and I don't want to run past it. When we believe like a child, here's the power of prayer. When we begin to pray like a child, we begin to dream again. You ever thought about that? When we begin to pray like a child, we begin to dream again. Because children naturally dream. And that's why I say again. Because there was a time in your life, if you've stopped dreaming, that there was a time when you, be when you were dreaming, you were hoping for the future. And as we begin to dedicate ourselves in prayer, we begin to dream like a child again. That's part of the power of prayer. So we need to believe like a child, we need to ask like a child, but we also need to play like a child. And if you were to go back to the big backyard and you were to see how those kids played, it would range from anywhere from 30 seconds to three minutes. Like, play is an interesting thing. And you think about that in an adult conversation. How do we structure adult conversations? We don't. We just talk. So there needs to be times when we're praying that we're having conversation with God, but we also take time to listen to God as well. That's part of what playing is. And so it works that way. Jesus encourages us to believe like little children by telling us stories about children who acted like children, adults who acted like children. Two different parables, Luke 18. Luke, or Jesus tells us this parable of the persistent uh, widow who's going to the unjust judge, who's going and going and going, and eventually the judge says, I'm going to act on her behalf because I don't want to have this person bothering me anymore. And then he gives us another parable of a person, a neighbor, who goes over to his neighbor's house and says, look, I've got a visitor. I need three loaves of bread. And the guy says, look, my family's sleeping. Don't bother me. But because he continues to knock, the man says, fine, I'll give you the bread. These are the parables that Jesus gives us when he gives us parables on prayer. People who continue to ask. So when it comes to prayer, just get the words out. It's okay if your mind wanders and your prayer gets interrupted. It might be 
that God is trying to say, you need to pray about this instead of what you brought into the prayer room. So be okay to go there. Don't be embarrassed by how needy that your heart is. Become like a little child. Ask, believe, and even play. To pray, you must learn to talk with your father. And to pray, you must spend time with your father. To pray, you must spend time with your father. You know, you'd think that if Jesus was a son of God, which he was, he wouldn't need to pray. Or at least he wouldn't need a specific prayer time because he'd be in such a constant state of prayer. You'd expect Jesus to have a direct line to his heavenly father like a broadband to heaven. But surprisingly, Jesus seemed to need time with God just as much as we do. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 5. Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Another version of that says that he would often withdraw to desolate places and pray. That was what God would do. It's what Jesus would do. He wanted to get away with the Father. In fact, what we see here, the reason is, is because Jesus was so close to the Father, he wanted that closeness and relationship and intimacy. Here's what we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 5. The Son can do nothing by himself. Jesus understood his neediness and dependence on God the Father. John 8, I can do nothing on my own but say only what the Father taught me. If Jesus was dependent on God the Father, how much more are we? If Jesus needed to spend time in prayer with the Father, how much more do we? When Jesus tells us that apart from me, you can do nothing, this is what he says. What he's saying is, I invite you into the dependent relationship I have with God the Father. You are welcome to be a part of that same dependence. When you know that you, like Jesus, can't do life on your own, then prayer makes complete sense. Jesus' example teaches us that prayer, it's all about relationship. When he prays, he's not performing a duty. He's getting close to his Father. Any relationship, if it's going to grow, it needs private space. Time together without an agenda where you can just get to know one another. In other words, you don't create intimacy, you make room for it. This is true whether you're talking about your spouse, your friends, your family, or God, because God is a person. You need space to be together. Efficiency, multitasking, and busyness, they all kill intimacy. You can't get to know God on the fly. If Jesus has to pull away from people and noise in order to pray, then it makes sense that we need to as well. No matter when or how we pray, we just need to pray. Pray in the morning, pray in the afternoon, the evening, pray during your lunch break. It doesn't really matter. It just matters that you do it. In a concentrated time for prayer, it does matter. Pray at all times, absolutely. But let's not forget to take a specific time to pray. I was thinking about that in relationship with with Shelly. You know, we have very sporadic conversations through the course of our day because we're getting kids ready for school, we're getting them out the door, you know, heading off to work. So, we're, so we might start our conversation at 7 a.m. that we weave through and eventually we get, you know, some conclusion on by 5 o'clock at night. But really, our real conversation happens when the kids are in bed, computers are shut down, and then we've got a time where we can just talk and have time together. And the same thing is true with God. We need a specified time with him if we're going to have intimacy with him. To pray, you must become like a little child who spends time with and talks with your Heavenly Father. How much different would your life be if you approach God in authentic, heartfelt prayer, realizing you can't do life on your own? How much different would you feel if you put your complete trust in your Heavenly Father in prayer? 
you won't know until you commit to daily times of prayer. One of the reasons we may skip out on prayer is because we lead very busy lives. We know we do. But what I have found is the more pressure we are facing, the more time we should commit to prayer, not less. If you do not have a praying life, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent is all that you need. You ever thought about that? If you're not in prayer, if you don't have a time to pray, what you're saying is, time, money, and talent, it's really all I need. I can figure out life on my own. The reality is we're always going to be a little bit too tired, a little bit too busy to find time for prayer. That's why prayer requires a solid commitment on your part, a recognition that we need a solid relationship with God to successfully move through life. So if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you're going to find time to pray. In fact, that's what I want to do today is is close in a time of prayer. But before we do, I just want to encourage you, as I started the message with, encourage you to take next steps in prayer. So as we take just a couple of minutes to close in prayer today, stay for that. Just pray for a couple of minutes. Approach God like your Heavenly Father. You can pray up here. You can pray in your seat. But let's pray. I encourage you, come back tomorrow night for an hour, 6.30 to 7.30, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm going to walk through some other chapters of Paul Miller's on what it looks like to have a praying life. And I want you to encourage you to come back for that. If you create a space in your schedule for prayer, you're going to take time to pray. And then I'd also encourage you, if you want to dedicate January as a time to pray, 31 days of prayer, obviously pick up Paul Miller's book and read a chapter a day and commit time to prayer. But you can start to come back starting on Thursday, on January 4th, from 6 to 7 a.m. So every Monday through Friday, starting on Thursday, then we're going to have the prayer room open. If you want to come here early for prayer before you head off to work, uh, the prayer room's open for you to do that. So I encourage you to come back for prayer. Or you can come back during the day as well, 8.30 to 5. The prayer room is always open, and we do have people that come in during the week to pray. Now, if you're not familiar with our prayer room, I want to show you a brief video that gives you some footage on what our prayer room is. It's down hallway 2. Because I know a lot of you may have not walked into the prayer room, but it's a great space to pray. So if we could show that video, I'm just going to walk through. So if you were on Main Street and head down hallway two, you'll see a placard that notates that room as our prayer room. So I encourage you to go in there. It's a great space to be able to pray. Um, Sometimes the distractions of home can be too much, but if you're just in a prayer room, you're going to pray. A couple of things we have in there is you can pray over uh, Tippecanoe County. That's our county map. We've got quotes in there related to prayer talking about why it is we need to pray. We need to think about the life that we're in. And you can also go from there, and we've got other passages of Scripture related to prayer, where we've got from Second Chronicles the idea that and the understanding as we humble ourselves and turn to God in prayer, then God heals the land. And if you've got prayer requests, we do have people that come in to do this often. They'll fill out a prayer request on a piece of paper, and then they're going to roll that up, and they stick it in some chicken wire. It's kind of like a prayer wall. And what happens is every month, pastors go and we take those needs, those requests, and we pray over those as a pastoral team. And we can also pray for the nations. The quote there is a quote to understand that, you know, some countries are resistant to the gospel, but as it relates to closed countries, there are no closed countries when it comes to prayer, that we can enter into those spaces through prayer. You can pray for some of our global partners. We've got their prayer cards listed there. You can pray over the nations. We've got a map that helps you to do that. Uh, We've got the passage there from Psalm that talks about ask of me and I will give you the nations. We've got resources for prayer. So we've got prayer guides. Those are in your seat backs as well. Bookmarks and and prayer maps and prayer books. We want to equip you to be uh, a praying people. We've got a great, great quote from Mark Renfro where he says that, you know, when we seek God in prayer, we're not seeking approval of our plans. We're seeking the presence of Jesus. That's what we're doing in prayer. 
And we also have a place where we can celebrate along with you about areas where you see God's activity in your life. And so you can record those there as well. Another passage that's in there as well, Paul writes that in Thanksgiving, then we approach God in prayer. And so I just encourage you, uh, of course, we're going to take a couple of minutes to pray right now. Come back the next three nights that we start the year in prayer. If you want to come to the prayer room in the morning in January, feel free to do that between 6 and 7 a.m. The C door is open for you to do that. Um, But let's start the new year in prayer. No greater way to enter into 2018 than to say, God, we know that we need your help. We cannot do life on our own. So let's just take a minute. If you want to pray in the seat that you're at, feel free to do that. If you want to pray up here at the steps, feel free to do that. Um, But let's just take a couple of minutes to pray, and then we're going to close in song in just a minute. But let's pray.